Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of Irrational Confidence, a basketball podcast created by three dudes who love basketball and, just like their favorite players, have the irrational confidence to let every take fly. Here you'll find weekly episodes on league news and transactions, team updates and performances, and fun debates on our favorite NBA topics. My name is Lino, and I'm joined by our hosts, Kaylin and Micah. We hope you enjoy this episode, and thank you for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome in to the third edition of the Irrational Confidence Podcast. My name is Micah. Joined with me are my co-hosts, Kaylin and Lino. How are we doing today, fellas? We are, you know... I could lie and say we're doing good, but it's been a long ass day <laughs> full of trials and tribulations. Uh, but I'm happy to be here talking about basketball. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, tough, tough day, but I'm excited about the slate of topics that we have to talk about. So let's uh, let's get into those. Most definitely. Yeah. So we're going to go through a lot of stuff today. We're going to begin with some opening night discussion. Obviously, everyone's very excited for this upcoming NBA season, and we're less than a week away from some actual games happening. So we'll kind of dive into matchups we're excited about, things we're looking out for. And then the bulk of the podcast is going to be the first annual Irrational Confidence Award predictions. We're going to go through some traditional awards and then also some awards specific to our show and things that are interesting us are interesting to us going into this year. But yeah, to begin, we're going to look at the opening night. And you could kind of look at this a few ways. Um, like most seasons, the first official night is going to be just featuring two games. Um, me personally, when I was looking at them, I extended it to the Wednesday as well for matchups I'm excited about. And I was actually surprised there weren't as many matchups on Wednesday that I was really stoked about. Um, but Thursday has some good stuff. Friday has some good stuff. So we kind of left it open to see, you know, what you guys wanted to feel. Um, so I guess I'll turn it over to you guys. Was there a matchup you were particularly excited about going into this opening week? Look, man, um, this Miami Heat and Detroit Pistons matchup <laughs> is going to be not only the most exciting game of the week, but easily the best game we'll see all year. You know, we got Jalen Duran versus Bam Adebayo. We got <laughs> Jaden Ivey versus Tyler Hero. We got Monty versus Spo. This is pretty much a 2024 finals, uh, you know, little sample we got here, mm-hmm. or conference finals, rather. It would be a, an act of God to get the Pistons and the Heat into the finals <laughs> together. But, um, yeah, no. In all seriousness, the uh, game I'm probably most interested in actually is going to be taking place on opening night. The two teams I have probably the most invested curiosity in as far as top-level teams in the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. Um, obviously, it'll probably take more than day one to get everything figured out for their new rosters um, and the changes that they made um, and some of the aging that they'll experience in this next season. But I do think I'm very interested to see who's ready to go right out of the gate and who's probably going to take some more time to put things together. Um, I watched a little bit of preseasons for both of these. Uh, there's a really viral clip going around of Chris Paul and uh, Steph Curry just passing the ball back and forth. 
Uh, Chris dishes it to Steph. He drives to the basket, dishes it back to Chris Paul, who immediately gives it back to him as as he comes under his screen uh, to the top of the key and uh, makes a three. And that was actually against the Lakers. And it's very disrespectfully clipped it with uh, LeBron with a big question mark over his head as he doesn't like move through that whole possession <laughs> while Steph Curry is running like a mile around the court. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to see what they can pull together here in the first game and uh with the suns obviously they have a very top heavy team and i'm interested to see what those bench minutes are going to look like um against uh a pretty well continuous continuous team with the uh warriors yeah i am also looking forward to that warriors matchup um i, I think um expectation me being a laker fan would be to say the the Lakers Nuggets, which I'm sure that matchup is going to be good. But, you know, we actually did just kind of see that not that long ago in the conference finals. Uh, we know how that went. And the teams are kind of similar. Uh, you know, the Lakers have kind of reloaded. Uh, but, you know, I think those teams are just kind of similar. So I'm really looking forward to the new look Phoenix Suns uh, and and especially the Chris Paul and the Warriors. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. I can't it's hard to even conceptualize how Phoenix is going to look. I mean, we, we could speculate all off season, but you know, about are they going to have enough defense, uh, which is something I'm concerned about um, and a great test. Uh, we're going to see that we're going to see that defense really stressed. Um, and does it even matter if the defense is not great? We're going to see how much firepower they can really bring, how Bradley Beal fits into the offense. I'm very interested in that. He's obviously been a guy who's, you know, been the number one option for the majority of his career, kind of playing in Washington. It was kind of just, you know, here's the ball. You know, we're not going to be a great team. You can kind of just do what you want. Now he's uh, playing in a team that has championship expectation. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious how he's going to see or how he's going to handle kind of, Playing the point guard-ish role, I think he's going to have most of the point guard duties. Obviously, they're going to kind of share a lot between their uh, big three and as well as running some action through Nurkic. Um, but I'm I'm very excited how their offense is going to look and just seeing how effective Chris Paul is going to be and um, looking at some of uh, Steve Kerr's rotations and kind of how that works out. Um, I don't, they, they won't have Draymond. That's correct. Or I think he's going to be reevaluated. They were saying. Yeah. Um, I think it might be a game time decision. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be interested to see maybe that uh, maybe, the, maybe, maybe that first game won't prove what their starting lineup is because Draymond has those injuries. Maybe they'll move it around once he's healthy, but it'll still be interesting to kind of see what they choose to go with uh, that first starting five. So definitely interested in that. And um I think I think we'll we'll kind of get into some other topics from opening night. I don't I don't want to talk too long in that opening thing, so but that's yeah, kind of what I'm looking forward to. Definitely. You guys hit some some points I actually had in my notes. There's something about a matchup from the previous year's playoffs where the two teams didn't make a lot of moves that always just hits a little I don't want to say stale. unexciting because it's yeah, stale is a perfect word. Yeah, it just hits a little stale um because Denver and the Lakers didn't make any big moves. We just saw them play. Um, if I had to guess, I feel like most of the time when these regular season matchups happen right after a very one-sided playoff series, the team that lost wins by 30. So if we're doing a prediction section, I would predict a big Lakers win. Mm. I feel like I've at least seen that, you know, like the Miami-Milwaukee series, regular season series every year seems to always favor the team that got, you know, 
destroyed in the playoffs the year before. So that'll be interesting to kind of look at. Um, but yeah, and like you guys were talking about the stress test on Phoenix's defense will be interesting, but also Chris Paul getting thrown to the wolves immediately against this Phoenix yeah, team. Not, not really anywhere for him to hide, that's for it, sure. Yeah. So that's gonna be really interesting. Even if there even if there is a place for him to hide, I'm sure they'll be calling him up on switches, you know, every mm-hmm. possession. So that's fun and, and going to be fun to look at. Um, <clears throat> a couple other matchups I kind of looked at from the rest of the week uh, for Wednesday. It A lot of these feel kind of one-sided to me. A lot of these are there's a playoff team and a non-playoff team, or there's a contender and kind of a play-in team. There weren't like huge matchups to me, and this sounds like a trying-to-be-hipster kind of take. Um, but Houston Orlando is very interesting to me. Um, I've talked before. I'm a huge Amin Thompson fan. And also Honestly, Houston, it's Yeah, yeah. Houston made so many moves. It's interesting mm-hmm. to see all that fits. And then I've also talked about Orlando as one of the teams I'm higher on this year. So to see how Fultz looks, obviously Apollo and Franz. And then, you know, Jonathan Isaac is playing right now. So seeing how he'll work into the rotation. So as like a young, fun, you know, prospect kind of matchup, Houston Orlando stood out. Uh, were there any other games throughout kind of just the rest of the opening week that you guys were excited about? I think Thursday is going to be a big day. Um, that's going to be a very interesting day in basketball, especially as we find out today, breaking news uh, that uh, James Harden wasn't showing up to practice and he probably is not showing up to practice and they have a game on Thursday. And so a week from today, if he still hasn't come to practice and they really haven't figured out what they're doing moving forward, that game is going to be interesting no matter what. He either shows up and he's playing and we're seeing, you know, two marquee uh, playoff teams uh, battling it out. And we're seeing the first version of Dame plus Giannis. Um, And so that'll be exciting. And then I think Suns and Lakers is a pretty interesting lineup. Again, another a test of a team that's got some tenure to itself against a really newly constructed uh, roster, uh, but both with plenty of talent. I think that'll be a fun game to watch on TNT. Um, I feel like Friday is a great day for games. I think that would definitely be one. I mean, obviously they're all airing around the same time, but to either have the multi-view going or something, because Denver-Memphis, even without jaw, I feel like it's going to be really exciting. Boston and Miami, as always gonna be you know probably 84 to 88 and you know amy hawk has 40 point game loading yeah two guys are gonna get hurt one guy's gonna get ejected so that'll be fun oklahoma city and cleveland i feel like are two teams probably kind of vying for the same kind of position in their respective conferences that'll be fun to watch so yeah i just thought there are a lot of good ones golden state sacramento is a nightcap is also a lot of fun a lot of offense so I like the Friday matchups a lot. Um, were there any kind of opening week thoughts other than that? Um, or is there anything else in general you guys want to touch on before we move our way towards the awards? Yeah, let me ask you guys. Do y'all ever watch games in the multi-view? Like, I've never actually tried to do that before. But as we get into this podcast and I try to watch more games, I'm like, I think I'm going to have to start watching two or three games at the same time. But I've never actually had the capacity to do that. I've watched, like, NFL Red Zone before, and that was been – has been something that worked out, but you know, that's a play by play situation. That's a little bit slower pace. Is that something you guys are actually using? Personally, um, it's, it's not something I've done in the past. I would say I kind of have two approaches. Um, if there's a really good matchup, I just sit down and watch that front to back. 
Um, and if it's more kind of just casual, what's going on in the league, I kind of think of myself almost as my own personal red zone guide. And so I'm just like, I have the app on my phone. I'm just flipping around on like the Apple TV to whatever games close or I'm checking mm. Twitter and somebody's like, oh, somebody just hit their fifth three, like, and I'm flipping over to that one. So that I kind of do my own thing just as like purely from a fan kind of just like, oh, what's crazy and what's going on. If I'm really trying to learn um then i'll really try and sit down watch one front to back and even pause rewind try and pick up on different things if there's a team or a specific play i'm really trying to learn something new about that day i i've, I've used it for uh football games uh because it's kind of just my secondary sport i'm not a huge football fan but i follow the league um so i think it's cool to, to do it there i'm not watching super closely but for basketball i couldn't do that um, just because I really, I really want to focus, and definitely for the podcast, I definitely want to watch closely. And yeah. I, I, I even talked about in the past. I, I complimented Mike. I said he was really good at at watching games. because uh, I, I don't know, I kind of like his takeaway off the first watch. Like if it's something, if it's a game that I, that I know I want to talk about extensively, I have to watch it two to three times. Because the first watch is kind of just for entertainment. I'm just having a good time watching basketball. But I'm not really like, oh man, they're 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 top locking the screens over there. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. You bring up a good point. I've definitely so last week I watched the Heat Spurs preseason game three times. I watched the first time for fun, and then I realized mm-hmm. I didn't pick up any kind anything. of impression on anything, right. and I was like, right. I gotta go watch it again. Uh, so I spent it back the second time. Uh, but then I was like, man, I really feel like I only focused on the heat that time. And I spent it back a third time so I yep. could watch the Spurs play. And so that's how it goes. Yeah, definitely. It's probably better to do that. So to any uh, you know, anybody trying to strategize uh, how they're going to approach watching the NBA this season, I know it is a massive amount of games. It's, uh, even if you're not trying to watch everything for a podcast, uh, but we recommend you know just picking the ones you want to watch and watch them back to back as multi view may not be the most fruitful for you, <laughs> and then watching them over again. So yeah, you know, just get ready to marathon for the next you know uh, eight months of your life, mm-hmm. um, and that's what it takes to be a basketball fan these days. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is a lot. I think also um, all of us are big fans of the dunker spot and what Steve and Nikias do. And following Steve Jones Jr. on Twitter, anybody that doesn't should, his breakdowns are so fun to take in because he's telling you what plays are happening, what he likes and what he doesn't like. And as a fan, I'm watching this and I'm like, okay, that's horns, that's Spain, that's hammer. And so then I'm watching a heat game a week later and your brain just starts getting better at like pattern recognition. And you're like, Oh, they're both setting picks at the elbow or, Oh, they're both up here. This is double drag. And so then when you're watching live stuff does start to kick in, but it's because, you know, you watch the Twitter clip 10 times in a row or whatever it was. I don't know, Michael, that, that might just be you, bro. I, I, <laughs> That's just you, bro. You're the, you're an apex predator when it comes yeah. to the NBA, bro. I don't do any pattern recognition. <laughs> Zero patterns have been recognized. <laughs> yeah, I, I listen to Steven and Kai's explain stuff just the same way you do, but I do not be picking up on it when I watch. <laughs> just I did not, learn what nice. the double drag is, though, but I watched like a 15-minute YouTube video over how the double drag works and yeah. It's great. How the dribble handoff has been changing, um, but it took me like hours of like just trying to get my brain wrapped around that. Yeah. Uh, which off tangent, I feel like we don't see any more of those elevator door plays that I feel like used to be really popular. Yeah, like Golden not a thing State anymore? staple. 
Yeah. Are they still using that? I feel like actually, no, that is exactly what Steph and Chris Paul were doing. Callback already this mm-hmm. early in the episode, yep. but that's this play that they ran. Yeah. Um, so look at me recognizing See? those patterns. There you go. Catch there you go. But yeah. And like, like we said, when we even started this whole podcast, we all just love watching the game and that's, that's what it's all yeah. about. So like we, uh, like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, we're going to do some awards that are the traditional awards you'll be familiar with. And we're also going to do some awards kind of exclusive to our podcast that we thought were thought provoking or just kind of fun. The first one I feel like kind of falls in the middle of that category, and it's going to be player most likely to steal a starting spot. Now, we didn't share our answers with each other prior to the podcast because we thought that would be fun to see, you know, where we overlapped and what we agreed on. So whichever one of you feels most confident about your player likely to steal a starting spot, (laughs) uh, feel free to go for it. Uh, so I actually forgot about this one until the last moment, but then I watched the Houston, um, gosh, who were they playing the Houston Spurs preseason game? And the answer came to me so easily. I think it's pretty safe to assume that Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet came in to get starting spots, but man, did Dylan Brooks look terrible out there. He shot like one for nine, turned the ball over like six times. It did nothing defensively to be helpful. So my choice for this one is probably going to be a Min Thompson, who I think might have been relegated to the bench first out of all the viable players they have there. He looked awesome. He was shooting threes. He was shooting mid-range jumpers, had a load of assists, was defensively sound. Um, and if they're going to really give him a fair shot at a starter spot, I think he would. I don't know that they can very long live with uh, Dylan Brooks is a starter if he's going to keep playing like that. I mean, it's a preseason game, but it's also, you know, you're playing against the Spurs C team, which their, their A team is already kind of a C team as currently constructed. Um, so that is my pick that Amin Thompson is going to steal a starting spot as a rookie that may have not been there for him otherwise. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Micah. Oh, oh, that's hot in today. <laughs> that's good. Um, okay. That's a that that's a that's a really good pick, uh, Lino. Uh I, I like I like uh I mean I think he's really good. Um I, I still like what Dylan Brooks brings. I think he's gonna have uh um... I liked it way more before I watched that game. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not there for the for his shooting and hopefully he may can eventually rein him in. I think the defense is what he's there for. And I think he's definitely going to bring that. Um, but mine, I don't know if, if he's, he, he's not the most likely, um, but I still wanted to go with him anyway. He's going to need a little help that I think he will get. Uh, I think this team is going to have some injuries uh, that'll give him more opportunity. Uh, and I think that this team will, at some point in their season, they'll hit a rough patch and they'll need, They'll need this guy to just bring that energy and it's going to be infectious and the coach is going to love it. Uh, and that's Haywood Highsmith. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we cooking now. We cooking oh, now. Man. Can I yes, inter- sir, tell him about it. <laughs> Can I inter- tell him about that man? In this man's length, his utility, his energy, the defense, um, which is definitely going to be needed. And I think he, I think he's gonna slot right in. Um, I think I, ideally, if if he could um, bring 
some more offense, that would be lovely. But I think this team still has kind of enough in their starting lineup uh, to kind of handle him. And I think at, at some point, you know, you know, Jimmy's going to miss some games. Hero's going to get banged up. You know, Kyle Lowry, what is this, his 17th season, I think. So he's probably going to miss some time. Uh, th- there's gonna be guys. Uh, K Love is, <laughs> man. This team, this team is gonna be uh um, crazy because he can play all those positions. Right, like, right. Yeah, right. I, I was, things. I was looking at at um his measurables, um, and yeah, he he kind of fits right. He, he can do everything. So, um, can I interest you guys in Haywood Highsmith, uh, finding his way in the starting lineup, um, and playing well and keeping his keeping his starting job once he gets there yeah for every for all 100,000 of our listeners who don't know who Haywood Highsmith is he is a <laughs> uh he was a G League pickup for the Miami Heat uh actually managed to play in the playoffs last year and contribute very positively for us yep sure um, did and is a very 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 uh, hard-working basketball player that I'd be excited to see in a starting lineup, especially if it meant Kyle Lowry took a breather for 20 minutes a game. Um, <laughs> that would be great to me. So I think that is a, an excellent choice. Yeah, no, love that pick. Um, and he's been shooting really well in the preseason. Um, awesome. Spo talked a lot about how for all shooting workouts this offseason, he assigned Haywood to work with Duncan Robinson. So that's that's how they view him as far as an offensive role as being a spacer and and the shots look good so far so wow. absolutely love that pick um if I wouldn't have felt like such a homer I would have done it myself <laughs> uh my pick uh, also in the southeast division I went with Onyeka Okongwu for the mm. Atlanta Hawks Oh I love that Yeah so it it's interesting I almost didn't go this way because you think of Quinn Snyder and he really does seem to be shaping this team in the image of his jazz teams. And Clint is definitely closer to Rudy Gobert than Onyeko Kongu is. But I feel like as the season progresses, you know, Clint still does his job well, still had some good moments last season, but obviously he's getting older. And I think they'll want to employ a more switch heavy system. And Onyeka obviously would be a lot better at that. I think especially if they're going to end up starting a front court of DeAndre Hunter, Sadiq Bey, and then you put Onyeka in there, those three guys are pretty switchable. They're all stocky. You know, they're not going to get posted up. And and the foot speed's decent between all of them. And then DeJounte has enough, you know, wingspan to compete with bigger guys. And then Trey, you obviously just have to protect at all costs. And I think a switching style will help with that. So that's why I would guess eventually – they go in Yekka's way. So that was my pick for most likely to steal a starting spot. Yeah, that's a really good one for sure. No, yeah, I think that's solid. I was, uh, I actually almost went with him. And it almost, for me, honestly, it felt like too easy. I was like, I feel like he's definitely going to get the starting spot at some point this, mm-hmm. this year. Um, just because I think he can do a lot of the things that can, Capella can do, but he's a little bit faster, a little bit more mobile. Um, and just a really strong player that they're going to want to give minutes to so that he can grow into the role that uh, they'll want him to be in here, at least if not by the end of this year, then by next year. So, yeah, I think that's a great pick. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And I think also there are some financial reasons they might want to try and move Clint mm-hmm. this year. So it could just be that they trade Capella, which I don't that's know true. if that counts for this award, but we'll go with it. So the next award coming up is going to be the 2020 draft MVP, AKA fourth year player MVP. So 
as a refresher, this is the Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, that draft class. Very interesting draft class. And, you know, if you'll recall back to that draft cycle, there was a lot of debate, um, you know, about the different prospects. LaMelo coming from, um, an, we'll say, an unorthodox background as far as not going the traditional college route. There's also the weird situation where the Warriors had such a high pick, even though they had recently been good and obviously were very good soon after. So a lot of different ways to kind of look at this draft class, but we'll start with you guys and who you have as your 2020 draft MVP this year. Um, yeah, you go first. Yeah, I think for me, the obvious answer is Tyrese Maxey. Um, he's going to have plenty of opportunity. <laughs> That's like you guys answer. Uh, he's gonna. Wait, have, I had three uh, answers lined up because I knew that you guys were gonna probably think of the first we, thing I thought of. So I was like, let me get my backups ready. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, he he was the obvious answer for me. He's gonna have plenty of opportunity. Um, I, who knows what what James Harden is gonna do? I I don't see him playing for this team. Um, because if he does get out there, there's no way he's gonna give it his all. He's gonna he's gonna ham it up. So, um, I think I think Tyrese is gonna be the guy they're looking at not just opportunity for more shots but i think people are going to be looking at him to hey you got to kind of be the guy to kind of keep this thing going uh and i think he has the requisite ability we're going to see uh if he can handle uh more on ball he's going to have those opportunities we're going to see what his playmaking has been like it's not been where you want it to be for him to you know kind of be a primary uh playmaker um but you know, I'm sure he's been working on that. He's kind of seen this opportunity coming. Um, he's a 40% three-point shooter. I mean, in terms of in terms of the shooting, whether it's uh, off the bounce or the catch and shoot, he, you know, he can really shoot in a lot of different ways. Um, so I'm not worried about that. It's really just going to be about the playmaking. He's going to have a lot more on-ball opportunity. So I think uh, that's going to kind of determine how far he goes. But I think what did he, he averaged uh, 20 points a game last season. That's going to be up to mid-20s, probably 24, 25 points a game, I expect. Uh, and then I'll, I'll let you guys go. I don't, don't want to take take too many of these. Yeah, definitely. I'll hop on that just because I, I had Maxi as well. So my thinking with Maxi is obviously there's a scenario where Harden's just not there and then Maxi kind of gets to fully bloom. But I think a lot of that could happen with Harden there because like we've referenced, we're not expecting a full effort from Harden. Mm -hmm. So if he's already kind of, you know, reclining back and not worrying about the offense or his impact overall, I think Maxi will have a lot of room to spread his wings. I think Maxi, obviously the offense looked amazing last year. I expected to get even better. What I hope to see from him this year is more intentionality on the defensive end. Obviously he's small. He's not going to turn into Drew Holiday, but he can't hide how fast he is. So I hope that in the offseason he's watching film, he's figuring out when to pick his spots because it seems to me like in the passing lanes he should just be a menace. You know, obviously if he's on ball a lot, it's harder to do that. But if they can strategically put him in on players that aren't really threats, which you'd probably want to do anyway, because he's going to be one of your more vulnerable on ball defenders. If he can be off ball more, I feel like he can create a ton of havoc in the passing lanes. And obviously that's just going to make him a better, more impactful player. And then the playmaking is a great call. Um, you know, he was recently, I think it was on JJ Reddick's podcast talking about, he keeps having to shift what role he thinks he's going to have. Mm -hmm. Hopefully with this hard and stuff dragging on so long, 
he was able to focus a lot on pocket passes because that's the most important component to a Joel Embiid pick and roll is being able to just get that pocket pass to him so he can catch it at the elbow and then work from there. So hopefully that's something that he's got in his bag and can, you know, just consistently get the ball to Embiid. And that's really all you need to do. I mean, Harden, I think, is one of the better pocket passers in NBA history. So you don't have to be that. But if you can get the ball to the big fella in his spot, I mean, you're going to be doing pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rack up a lot of assists that way. That's for sure. Yeah, I've got um, or Micah, did you have a backup to that or was that kind of your main main? Guy no, I mainly just met with went with Maxie. Yeah, uh, for me, I just knew that you guys were going to go with Maxi, and I knew I wasn't <laughs> going to get to talk first, so <laughs> I had some backups ready. Um, and so uh, the two that I have, I actually had two just in case both of you took both of my answers. The two guys that I feel like could be MVPs in their own context for this season uh, for their teams from that draft. Uh, the first one I have is Desmond Bain. I think Desmond Bain, with Ja being out for so many games, is going to have an incredible year. He's already an incredible player, great shooter, very athletic. Um, but he's really going to be able to fill a void that he often has to fill whenever Ja Morant has to be out for games. But I think this year is going to be very important for them as they have just really high expectations for what this team should be able to do this season. And I think he's going to be able to, you know, put the team on his back and i mean they have a lot of talent in a lot of other areas um but so does tyrese maxi i mean he's playing with the former mvp in that capacity but there still has to be someone to step up and be that guy to get these teams to the next level and i think desmond bain really has a shot at doing that and i think he's fully capable of it i think he had an amazing year last year and is just going to continue to grow in that direction and you know that is you know anticipating that john morant only misses those games uh, as far as the John Morant experience is concerned, we don't really know what to expect from him from a health or narrative standpoint. Uh, hopefully he can come back, play a great, and is ready to go after missing half the season. But if there are any other further complications and uh, Desmond Bain has to carry this t- team the long haul, then I would be really excited to see that happen for him if he can pull it off. And I think it would really earn him what we would call the MVP of that draft. Uh, my other choice is Tyrese uh, Halliburton. Uh, The other Tyrese, I just think he's incredibly talented guy. I don't know what the Pacers are aspiring to this year, but whatever that is, it's going to require Tyrese Halliburton, you know, leading this team and improving those around him and really moving this team in the right direction. Uh, He's obviously super talented. We saw him in FIBA doing some incredible things. And yeah, I just think the team's really going to need him, especially with all the young guys that they have. Someone has to step up and, be a level of leadership that can get these guys uh, into the playoffs and any further than they've been before in recent years. Um, I love that you said Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is my favorite non-Laker in the NBA. I love Desmond Bain. And <laughs> He's so awesome. I, I think I think what, what what potentially could be interesting today. I I saw a report that uh, some uh, team source within uh, the Grizzlies um was uh blaming uh T Moran, John Moran's dad, uh, for kind of some of his behavior. And the reason I thought that was interesting is because for me, comments like that, um that that kind of signal that execs or somebody in the building is grown frustrated with John Morant. Mm. And I think that 
Desmond Bain is somebody I don't I don't think he's better than John Morant, but he's kind of one of those guys. He's he's like sneaky. If he had more consistency in his offensive game, if he could maybe do a little more with the basketball. Um I, I think I think Ja is a scooch overrated because it's just some of the highlight plays. Um, I think some of the half-court offensive struggles kind of stem from Ja's kind of inability to kind of run the offense in the half court. Um, mm-hmm. I think if Desmond Bain has a great showing um, the, the, in the in these twenty five games, without it, it can it can really it can really kind of shift some things in that organization in terms of how they look at Ja and how essential he is to the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm just kind of putting it out there because I love Desmond Bain and I want him to have a good season. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I think offensively, he's he's just going to have the space to really grow. And I do think, you know, I don't necessarily buy into a lot of the narratives around John Morant. I mean, I think he's made some poor decisions, uh, but I think not a lot of people are very well equipped to have that kind of conversation about <laughs> who he is as a person because we're all just strangers to him. Um, but <laughs> I do think, you know, that Desmond Bain is going to have an opportunity to be a leader here and really show what he can do in that yep. capacity and in that role. And I'm excited for him to, you know, uh, the last two seasons, he was taking like what, 14 field goals, 16 field goals last year. We can bump that up to 20, 25 and just Whoa. really start. <laughs> Let it fly. Let's go. <laughs> really, I mean, he's still shooting incredible. Um, what do we got here? Yeah, he actually had a down year last year. He went from 43% to 40% from three. Now that he doesn't uh, have so much teammate drama going on for 25 games, he can really focus from the three-point line and uh, get that <laughs> back up. But, no, I'm really excited for him. Yeah, well said. Well said. Uh, breaking news while we were recording, uh, the Las Vegas Aces are back-to-back WNBA champions. So what? congrats. Congrats to Asia Wilson and the crew uh, down several players and still pulled it out. So shout out to the Aces. Shout out to the Aces. So moving on to the next award, if that's good with you guys, more of a traditional Mm -hmm. one this time. We're just going rookie of the year. Um, I don't know if there's any promising prospects in this class. I don't know if there's anyone that had any kind of hype. So we we really had to dig through the garbage pile on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> we'll let you guys start. Uh, was there a player that stood out to you? I kind of took the route of uh, not selecting the most obvious one. But what do you guys think of Rookie of the Year this year? Uh, uh, you know, I hate to be, you know, someone who just tries to be different um just for the sake of it but just to throw a little spin on the idea of the rookie of the year i gotta go with victor wibanyama i think (laughs) (laughs) i think he's a dark horse candidate you know people have questions about can a seven foot basketball player who shoots like Steph Curry and dribbles like Kevin Durant and blocks like Brooke Lopez. Did y'all see that nutmeg video today? (laughs) I've seen him. Listen. Listen. (laughs) Yeah, some people have questions about if someone who plays basketball like this can be successful in the league. And I got to say, I think this guy could be pretty good. Um, You know, if he just shows up and puts on his shoes and gets in the court, I think he could win MVP of or being a rookie. <laughs> um, and I think there's all to say about him. 
I feel like we all know what Vic is going to do this season. And honestly, it's probably one of those situations. Can he make an all-star team? I'm trying to think. Oh, man, he'd had to kick somebody else off the all-star team who's been there for a while. We have so many forwards and centers in the West. Um, Like, what is he? What? It's AD, Jokic, KD, uh, LeBron. He'd have to kick one of those guys out. Yeah, if he was in the East, I'd say there was like maybe a 50% chance it could happen just because of the hype in general. But West was an all star last year. AD wasn't an all star last year. I don't think so. Oh, yeah. But wasn't Demonis Sabonis an all star last year or something? I believe Um, it was. So maybe he can kick Sabonis out. Of course he could. Of course he could. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? An all star spot. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, there's a shot. There's a shot for sure. Um, someone's gonna feel disrespected by it though. Did you guys see? I we're going on tangents just because I really don't think this pod is gonna take us long. But um, did you guys see that? Or no, we posted about this. Who was it talking about on podcast? Just getting really upset that someone had Vic and uh, Scoot ranked higher than Russ going into this season. As players. But, yeah. but but to be fair, Ken Martin, that's just how he is about every topic. He just he's yeah. like a very boisterous dude. <laughs> it's like, true. But, but but to be fair, I, I don't think Scoop better than Russ. I mean, come on. I would say the same. Yeah, I was like, I yeah. think Vic. I wouldn't be mad at someone saying oh. this guy has everything. Um, oh come on, Scoop. Well, there's still a lot of questions there. If and you were building Russ a championship team, Russ. you would have Wimby at the four before you would have Russ at the point for sure. I'd have Russ at the four. I'm opening up. <laughs> <the box. laughs> Yeah, and like you know, not to get too in the weeds, but yeah, usually rookies are very rarely like impactful players for good teams, like you know, or just have a positive impact on their own team. So yeah. I definitely get why people were upset they had mm-hmm. guys like that ahead of Russ. But Wimby is unique, so definitely could see him being big, big positive. Um, I so I also had Wimby number one, but um, I had Amin finish number two. Nice. Um, w- w- which is, I mean, still something to be very proud about. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Amin is uh, one of the more talented uh, rookies in this class, and playing on a young team like the Rockets, it- it's it's going to be conducive for him to get his time and get his numbers, which is what it's really all about. And the ones where you're looking at the record for Rookie of the Year, and I think overall, Scoot is. I think Scoot's a, a a better prospect, but I think a man's gonna be better than Scoot mm. uh, this first year. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm in uh, second, and then I had Chet third. Nice. Yeah, I had Chet first, so I can kind of lead into that. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get there, though, I do want to say love him in Thompson, and if anybody listening hasn't gotten to watch him a lot, I don't ever recall seeing an athlete like him. He, I, w- I wish I could give credit to this. It was. P.D. Webb is the person who said it, I believe, first. But he said he moves like both his feet are on hoverboards. His like, I don't know how you'd say this, but his hang time laterally, like he'll jump on one side of the paint, float all the way up to the other side and then kick out a pass. Like his movement is is crazy. And and I think I think he'll be an incredible player. And and some people in the draft spheres were throwing out Scottie Pippen comparisons. So just just oh, keep a lookout. People. Just keep a lookout. <laughs> but huge, huge Men Thompson fan. But yeah, I went with Chet 
Um, again, slightly just to be different from Wimby, but I also think there's a realistic chance the Spurs are really careful with Wimbenyama this year, and mm-hmm. you know it might just be a games played thing that that comes up. So I think Chet's going to be also an impactful player on a playoff team. I don't expect the Spurs to make the playoffs, so I could see people kind of using those arguments to give it to Chet. Uh, but Chet's looked awesome in the preseason. The rim protection is everything you want it to be. The shooting doesn't show anything that would worry you playmaking's good and his mentality which you know if you've watched him for a long time or just kind of followed his draft cycle he is always played with a chip on his shoulder he's always been the aggressor and in his interactions on the court and I think that's definitely translating it's nice to see you know going to the NBA didn't impact any of that and and I think the Thunder are going to be a good ecosystem for him to flourish in you know there's a lot of driving kick going on he'll be probably getting to attack a lot of bent defenses. Shea obviously will take up a ton of gravity on the offensive side. So I think Chet could have a really good year as well. Mm-hmm. So that transitions us into one of, I would say, the more fun topics we're looking at for this. And this is going to be player most likely to start a podcast. We didn't give any other criteria so and we don't know what the other said so we'll just see what happens uh, but... i hope we nail this i hope all three Boom. of us get the same oh, man. I, re- I really do so i actually i don't know if we will because i have a tandem pod uh, it's going to be a two-person <laughs> pod two players who are actually like going to start that. a podcast together this season nice. to really document the journey as they carry this team to the playoffs against all odds uh, and that's going to be Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. Yes, Kyle Kuzma was my answer. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, I knew it. I knew it. It's Kyle that's Kuzma. Good. I was like, that guy is incredibly Kyle online. <laughs> yeah. He's Did we Google? Online. Does he have one? Did we? Confirm? I had to look it up just now before, and I haven't okay. seen him. He's been a guest on several, and I feel like okay. that's the gateway drug. Because yep. you sit down in that chair, you start talking, and you start telling your stories, and then people yep. start listening. And next thing you know, it's like, what if I just started a podcast myself? Okay, Dev well, can do it. Well, can can I can I tell you why that's correct though? I I, I yeah. don't think you saw. You might have saw this on some other platform, but I know you don't have Twitter no more, so I don't think you saw this. But the reason why I picked Kyle Kuzma is because like a week ago he was literally tweeting that he was going to start a podcast. <laughs> that's crazy. Insider literally, trading. Literally, wow. he was tweeting. He was like, "Man, I think I'm going to start a podcast." And somebody Bro, that's was, exact tweet I think you would see from Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> so it's it's so funny. You you nailed it. That is the correct answer. He, Man, he literally awesome. <laughs> yeah dude those guys are just very opinionated i just i had to throw in the little sprinkle of, i feel like jordan Poole's is going to be there um just because i feel like he's another guy who probably wants to get the word out on who he is as a person and he's like hey draymond's got a podcast now i gotta start a podcast and start defending mm-hmm. myself I like that. um and i was like we could just do this together you uh, nailed it, bro. You nailed man. it. That is the right answer. That's great. Yeah, you guys uh, definitely win this one. I uh, wish I had gone with Kuzma. I thought about <laughs> it for a while, and I kind of settled in on player that I would laugh the hardest if I saw their tweet saying, please check out the first episode of my podcast. And so for that reason, I landed on Jay Crowder. <laughs> that would be so crazy for one the tweet will be in all caps which is always great the pod will be in all caps yeah and i assume it'll be called like the boss man show or something 
And Jay Crowder has just said a lot of crazy stuff, and he's been involved in a lot of crazy things throughout yeah. his career. He's been on some some crazy teams. Yeah. So I would love a Jay Crowder podcast. So that's what that I is love. a really oh that's so good. He he's been on a lot of teams. He's 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 been on a lot of good teams. He's played with yep. different star players. He's yep. probably got a million stories. Nope. Um, Except I don't think he has any friends. And so I feel like he wouldn't have any guests. Nobody would be trying to come talk to this body. Like, bro, you literally yelled at me and then bit me on the ankle. I'm not coming onto your podcast. Dame's like at his first press conference and Jay's like, hey, can I talk to you after this? I've got a great (laughs) business opportunity. Oh my God. That's funny. So that was uh, delightful, as expected. Uh, To move into our next category, we're going to do League Pass MVP. Now, if I had to guess one that was unanimous, this is what I would have guessed. So we'll see if we're all on the same same wavelength on this. So who do you guys have as League Pass MVP? Uh, I I think think you're going to guess correctly. Uh, Mine was Tyrese Halliburton. Yep. Yep. Um, tune in the pace every pacers game this year to all of our listeners out there if you want to know what we're talking about week to week it's always going to start off with tyrese halliburton's stat line and then the score from the indiana pacers game we're just going to lead every episode like that listen to to talk about something nobody cares about this is why (laughs) i had to draft him in my in the fantasy draft uh i kind of saved up my bread to go after tyrese halliburton he's gonna have a really (laughs) good good year thinking that was good thinking (laughs) But uh, but no, I don't know exactly how many national TV games they have. It's like one or two. Yeah, so I so I looked it up. Not including NBA TV, they have one nationally televised game. Okay, I tied for last. Okay, uh, which is crazy because their offense is going to be pretty exciting. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Tyrese is going to have a great year. I think his stats are going to look fantastic. Uh, will we uh for the first episode we, we did our Eastern predictions. Uh, I think I, I had, so I think I had him like seventh. Um, I think you had him seventh as well, Micah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So so we actually expect this to be a a, a play in team. Uh, probably a playoff team as well. So they're gonna be uh competitive at the very least. Um, and Tyrese is gonna make sure that team is exciting. Uh, Bruce Brown's a guy I love. Uh, Benedict Matherin had an awesome year last year. Should be even better. Uh, Miles Turner. They have a lot of players, so yeah. Tyrese Halliburton's my guy. I think they're going to beat a lot of teams by surprise. I think some teams will forget that they got better, and they're going to win some games. That'll be pretty disappointing for people vying for the playoffs. Um, I had them, of course, on my list. Um, behind them, I had the OKC Thunder, who actually are going to get like 13 games this season, and mm. so. That's uh most of the teams that don't really have large markets are around like four to nine games, but I think people are anticipating them being more watchable this year. And so they've got some more games than I anticipated, but I'll definitely be watching them. Um and then behind them I have the Brooklyn Nets. Mm-hmm. I'm all in, guys. You saw in the Discord, you see it on any social media that I'm on. Ben Simmons is back, baby. Oh no! Ben Simmons is here. His mental oh, health. No. His mental health is real healthy right now. I'm trying Lito, to tell you. Go Lito back and bit. watch the preseason. Go Lito back and watch bit. the preseason games. He bit and... on the pump fake, and he is in the third row. 
<laughs> well, I'm way out there, bro. I'm in and the Ben Simmons still isn't season. shooting. <laughs> he was I, shooting. Hey, I saw a turnaround jumper. I saw some layups. I saw some dunks. I saw hey, some steals. I didn't want to say anything in the Discord. I was going to back you up. When the Lakers played the Nets, Ben Simmons took Braun to the rack and gave him a, a, a little right-hand lay high off the glass. I said, that was a pretty good take, man. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you he's in there somewhere. He's still working through a few things. You got to ignore the turnovers right now, and he does fall asleep on defense a lot, but it's preseason. Who cares? He's going to be surrounded by some great defenders. Um, this team's going to be super switch heavy, and our, our biggest concerns in our uh, preseason predictions were there who's going to play make for them, but I'm seeing this guy dish transition behind the back passes. Like if he's going to be the Ben Simmons, we thought he could be even for glimpses here and there for them. If, you know, him playing in a team that's now kind of become its own small market team. Cause nobody's going to care just allows him to flourish again. I'm super excited about it because that team with a fully realized Ben Simmons is actually pretty interesting uh, without it. It's pretty bleak, but I'm excited to see how and I am going to be tuned in. That's a great point. As you were saying that, it kind of crystallized for me years ago when there was still the do you build around Embiid or Simmons debate and everyone felt like Philly had to trade one of them. Everyone always said to build around Simmons, you would need to do it how Milwaukee built around Giannis and you'd want four shooters around him so that he would have an open lane to drive in and then could kick out. And Obviously, so many crazy things have happened since then. But if he is who he was, if he returns to form, Brooklyn has kind of set that up for him because of how switchable some of their defenders are. Now, Claxton obviously isn't a shooter, but you could play smaller lineups with Claxton off the court. And then you could put, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Mikael Bridges, obviously, and then maybe still Dinwiddie or somebody like that. But there there are interesting lineups they could put Simmons in. And if he's, you know, feeling right physically and mentally, he might might flourish. So that's a good pick. He had nine assists, th- six rebounds, and three steals on Monday. Who got him in fantasy? That might have been a steal. Freaking Dario. I'm about to trade for him, but <laughs> I ran out of money too fast again. That's always how it goes. But, yeah, those are some great picks. Um, moving on, unless you guys have anything else, we are going to look at another one of our own personal awards, and this is going to be the Most Improved Defense Award. Now, we named this award after Brooke Lopez, so it's the Brooke Lopez Award, as a lot of people know. In Brooklyn, he was a great scorer, he was an all-star, wasn't much of a defender, and in Milwaukee, he has turned into an incredible rim protector and is an anchor on consistently one of the best defenses in the league. So we're looking at players or teams that we feel like will make a big jump from last season to this season in terms of their defense. So do you guys have uh, someone you'd like to start with for this one? I have two guys for this. Um, And for this, I'm not saying that these guys are going to become like, you know, one of the top defenders in the league. I looked at it as, these guys are seen as either negative defenders or just people don't even look at them really in a defensive light. Um, and they're going to be either average or ab- above average defenders. And the first one is D'Angelo Russell, the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Lakers. 
Uh, it's been kind of talked about. Um, probably no one hears about this unless you're a Laker fan. But uh, D'Angelo Russell uh, was in the weight room this offseason, bulking up with the uh, idea that he was going to be focusing on defense and becoming a better defensive player. Uh, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised that some of the things that I saw from him in the playoffs, uh, particularly against Golden State, I thought he did a good job on the defensive end. Um, and I'm just expecting him to have a fantastic season. He's really seeming like he's kind of in a good headspace. Um, I, I noticed that myself, and then I heard Austin Reeves talk about his headspace that he's in. He just seems like he's kind of really kind of vibing um, and – he also spoke about his inspiration and who he wanted to play like was Derek White of the uh, Boston Celtics, which, I mean, as a fan of the Lakers, that this is exactly what you want to hear from your, from your, from your role guys that they want to be like Derek White. Derek White is the quintessential role player. He does everything you, you'd want from, from the, a guy in that role. And hearing that D'Angelo wants to embody that it's going to bode well. I think he's going to have a fantastic defensive season. Uh, the second guy um, is Josh Giddy. I think Josh Giddy um, is obviously an, a very important player for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Shea, Shea is what he is defensively, and when you have that workload on offense, it's it's just not reasonable to kind of expect him to take any kind of leaps. He, and and he he takes it seriously, but it just kind of is what it is. They obviously have Lou Dort to kind of uh he's very strong at the point of attack on perimeter but i just think if if josh giddy uh was a just a really solid defender night to night i think that's going to be one of the things that takes this team uh to the next level that a lot of people are predicting if that's going to come true they're going to need more than just adding chet Holmgren uh to protect the rim they're going to have to have other guys step up shea was first team all NBA last year. How much better could you reasonably expect him to be? I think that improvement's going to have to come from Josh Giddy, and I think it's going to come on the defensive end. I love that. And Giddy's big and yeah. strong. He has so, the tools. He has yep. the tools, dude. Yep. So I, I like that a lot. And I like the D one a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I remember a few years ago in Minnesota, there were a lot of people talking about not as much on, on ball, but how good his communication was off ball, getting people where they needed to go on defense. So I like that pick as well. Mm hmm. Um, I actually just had a team that I picked, um, and that team is the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. So again, this is a, another good example of a team that I don't think is going to be an elite defensive team, like maybe not even top five, but I think they're going to, they were like bottom 10 last year. And I just think they're going to be a lot better this year. Um, I think Marvin Bagley being healthy, Katie Cunningham being healthy and the drafting of Asar Thompson, who I think is going to be incredible on defense i think we've already seen the preseason in summer league but this guy is not only going to be an individual defender but he's just going to fill in so many gaps in team defense and he's a great communicator on team defense and getting people to go to the right spots and i think monty williams is going to be able to use that to really bolster this team that already has great size and length on the court um from the point guard to the center um we'll just have to see if certain guys really step up to the plate but um they've got the athleticism and the size to be a great defense it's just a matter of buy-in and uh if sar thompson can really help influence everything on uh individual level but those are my guys right now 
Bro, you're yeah. really bringing the irrational confidence this episode, bro. You got Ben Simmons takes, bro. You got, <laughs> you got Detroit Pistons takes. Bro. I like it, bro. You're really, hey, you're man. really This Bruce keeps flowing, and I just, I could feel it. I know exactly <laughs> what to say. The irrational <laughs> I, I like that, though. There's, it Like, I can see it. You know, and again, like you referenced, they were the third worst defense last year per cleaning the glass defensive rating. Yeah. So, and Cade played like 12 games. And yeah, so and it's like, yeah, as a huge Cade fan, I think one of the best parts of him as being your primary creator is on defense. He's a great, like, weak side rotation playmaker. So whether he's contesting at the rim, intercepting passing lanes, he's so big and strong and has such good instincts. I, I do feel like he could be really impactful on that end. Um, I went with a team as well for mine, and I didn't get super creative. We don't have to get into it a lot, uh, but the team that was dead last in cleaning the glasses defensive rating last year was the San Antonio Spurs, and they added somebody <laughs> that I think is going to help a lot. <laughs> so and they might least, actually try to win some games. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Wimby you know, might be the most transformative defensive rookie since Tim Duncan, probably. So I think he'll have a huge impact defensively. You can already see in preseason, like people are just like, what am I even supposed to do with this? And if they keep using him in kind of this Romer role where they have Zach Collins guarding traditional centers, if Wimby's able to like help off of people. And just a quick thing, when he digs on drives, it's unreal. From the half court line. Yeah, the (laughs) the actual contact he can make to like dislodge a ball is insane from how far away he is. Like his, some of the still like screenshots you see on Twitter of like, he's stepped away a step from his defender to the three point line and is still able to like get a hand to the nail to like get contact on the ball. It's crazy. So I think he'll be really impactful. Um, Love Devin Vassell. I think he's a great defender. Um, Loved him as a, as a prospect and his defensive upside and, you know, they're coached well. And I think, dead last there's a lot of room to go up so that was my pick for most improved they block so many shots the other night like i said i watched the rocket spurs game mm-hmm. and vic wasn't even on the floor he didn't play that game and they still mm-hmm. blocked an insane amount of shots and so that defense feels like they're ready to go and they've got some great athleticism there um and so i think that's a great pick thank you yeah i feel feel good about it so next up we're going to be moving to our most improved offense award we named this one after Lori markinen uh, obviously had a massive blow-up season last year scored from all over the court and really transformed himself into you know one of the more devastating offensive play finishers in the league um, whether it was rolling to the rim shooting you know Lori did it all last year so again this could be player or team but what offense do you guys see improving the most this year? Uh, I, again, I went with uh, players. Um, I got two guys again. The first one is Scotty Barnes, a guy who had a very disappointing season last year. He saw regression in pretty much every category. His field goal percentage, three-point percentage, effective field goal percentage, his points per game. Uh, pretty much everything uh went down, and that was pretty disappointing. I mean, I think all of us were in love with Evan, uh, not Evan, hopefully, sorry, with Scotty Barnes, his rookie year. Um, yeah, they were both having a mid off there at different parts of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just that was a little Freudian slip there. Um, 
But yeah, I think because of those things, though, I mean, I, I still think Scotty is a really good player. I'm not sure what went wrong for him last season, but because of those things, I think that he has a lot of room to grow. And I do expect him to uh, work on uh, pretty much everything. He, he needs work on everything, to be honest. Um, his three-point shot is something that is just not kind of come together. He takes about two and a half to three a game. Uh, but last year, I think he only hit 29%. Um, so if you're going to shoot three threes a game, you got to get that percentage up. Um, so I, I just expect to see Scotty um, take a, a leap offensively. Remember, guys, the Raptors are my irrational confidence team. Uh, mm. I, I just really believe in the Raptors this season. I think they're going to be better than people think. And part of that's going to be Scotty, uh, who had a rough season last year. Then the other guy I have is Austin Reeves. I, I had to go a Laker for each category, of course. <laughs> Very optimistic about <laughs> my boys this season. Uh, but Austin Reeves is a guy who is already good offensively, but I think he's going to take another big leap. We saw him play very well in the FIBA tournament. I think that's going to be a big confidence booster. And just some of the shots I see him taking in preseason are just showing me that he has confidence. The way that he's going to make his improvements is in volume. Uh, so last season, he only started 22 games out of the 64 that he played. Obviously, the first half of this season was played with uh, Russell Westbrook that ate up a lot of his opportunity, uh, both to get on the court and to handle the ball. Uh, so we, we saw his points per, uh, points per game jump up to like 16, 17 after, uh, Russ was traded away. And I, I think he had about, um, seven 20 point games in the playoff, uh, last season. So I expect him to, to have higher volume. He, he, he took, uh, three and a half threes a game last season. Uh, hopefully we can get that up to really like six or seven, um, because he shot 39% of them. So. I think we can get that volume up, and I don't even expect really to see a dip in the uh, efficiency because I think he's going to be just that good. So those are my two guys. Nice. I like both of those a lot. Yeah, I think those are really great picks, uh, especially from the perspective of people who just have, obviously, the potential to do more, and I've always had that potential or even shown it in different phases of their career um in the past year uh so i think i hope both of them do well i'm a big scotty barnes fan and I was mm -hmm. pretty disappointed to see the kind of year he had after yep. his rookie season um but i definitely believe in him to be able to turn it around and he seems like a guy that has a work ethic to do it too agree sophomore slump is very natural to happen and then austin reeves has obviously got a lot of uh runway to go here so super excited for him and everybody's super high on him and he's got a lot of green light from i think his coaching staff so uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. For me, I picked a, a team, um, and my choice was the New Orleans Pelicans. Mm. Uh, pretty excited for them offensively this year. Uh, again, this is all with the idea of that this team can be healthy, um, and if this team can be healthy, they are going to score a lot of points. Uh, I think they've got some good shooting. Um, Zion looks really good. I know we had some questions in our previous pods about, you know, What's Zion going to look like out on the floor? Uh, like, it's not just even a matter of, like, him being healthy or not being healthy, but can he run? Can he get out there and shoot and dunk? And the answer is yes. <laughs> that dude was out there moving. He had, like, five steals that all In turned into transition quarter. buckets just for him. Like, he just would steal it and then be gone. And then be dunking before, you know, the commentators could even catch up with what's happening in the play. Uh, so he's looking very athletic out there. He's looking very fast. Um, 
He's moving the ball around. I, they drafted um, who was it? Jordan Walker. Uh, what was his name? Hawkins. Yeah, they drafted Hawkins. Yes, Jordan Hawkins, and that guy's a shooter. And so they've got shooting C.J. McCollum and um, Brandon Ingram. Obviously, can shoot the rock, and so they've got some shooting around a healthy Zion, and they've got the defense that is going to. Uh, produce a lot of turnovers I feel like honestly I feel like their offense is going to take a step up just because their defense is going to produce a lot of points if Zion's going to be playing a lot of help defense and Herb Jones is going to be out there you know being a menace then that is going to just turn into more buckets and so given that they were 10th uh, the bottom 10 like the 10th worst defense in the league last season I think they've got a lot of room to grow there or 10th worth offense sorry um, they've got a lot of room to grow moving forward. Definitely. Yeah, no, those are good picks. I didn't reinvent the wheel with mine uh, for offense either. I went for the last team in offense that ranked 30th last year, which was the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. similar to the Pelicans, a huge part of Charlotte's offense being so bad with key injuries, especially to LaMelo Ball. So I think Charlotte obviously has a lot of room to go up. I think LaMelo have a good bounce back year, um, assuming health, of course. And then I think the offensive talent on this team could be pretty good and could fit together really well this year. You know, they were dead last, and I'm saying they're most improved. So that might only mean they move into, you know, 19th or 18th or something. But I do think they could be really good. I like Brandon Miller a lot. Um, I think he's the type of rookie that could impact offense in a positive way. And Steve Clifford really likes them, which Steve Clifford liking a rookie is quite shocking. So that's a good sign for the young kid. And, you know, Hayward should be good um, as long as he's healthy. You know, he's a positive, impactful player. Terry Rozier is always going to give you a scoring punch. And the center room will be interesting. And obviously they recently waived Kai Jones, so that's no longer an option. But I like Mark Williams, especially as a lob threat. I think he could do enough on offense to make it work. So I went with Charlotte for that one. I am uh I'm like sneaky low on Brandon Miller. Mm. I'm not a big fan I'm of his. pretty loudly low on Brandon oh, Miller. God. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> I I mean I try not to make too much of you know summertime play, but summer league I wasn't super impressed. I wasn't sure what he was supposed to be good at while he was out there. And I watched a few of the preseason games that Charlotte has been involved in and there's just nothing that stands out. So I don't know if I'm like really low on him like i have anything negative to say about him he hasn't really made an impression to me that he's going to be able to produce like winning basketball but what were you saying caitlin um well i guess one of the things that worries me um and i'm not trying to be funny when i say this but whenever he uh talks about how he looks up to paul george um it's apt because he has a similar build. Don't laugh, you know. Uh, he has a similar build and a, a similar, like, play style. And, and and you can see that he wants to play like that. He wants to. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic. It doesn't feel like he has the athleticism that Paul George had. Um, and, I mean, Paul George is, in my opinion, he is the best ball handling wing to to play I don't think Brandon Miller is going to uh, ever kind of have that, uh, have that bag. Um, Dang, you're telling the young blood to dream lower. You said you dream. Seriously, no, I don't, I, I don't see Paul George in his future. Um, and the, the, the fact that he would like want to just kind of 
pat, 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 shoot the way Paul does. And I don't know if he's going to do it on both ends the way Paul George definitely does. Uh, I'm a little worried about uh, Brandon Miller personally. Yeah, I, I definitely get those concerns. Uh, I like Miller a lot. Um, obviously, in the draft, I would have had Scoot and Amin Thompson ahead of him. But I like Miller a lot as a prospect. The shooting looks real. Um, I watched him in Summer League and then recently watched the Miami-Charlotte game. And there definitely were rookie moments, but the way he was navigating the spots on the court looked pretty advanced to me for a rookie. He was getting to his mid-range where he wanted to. He was recognizing size mismatches. And then also, he's had some huge dunks in the preseason. I know there's at least one that got overturned because it was a charge. Because I also was... It got better as his season at Alabama went on, but I was concerned with the athleticism from a finishing standpoint, but his finishing Mm -hmm. did get a lot better, but he's looked more athletic in this preseason than I've ever seen him look. I mean, he's had some monster slams. So hopefully that's something he can improve on. It's also interesting you bring up the Paul George handle because to me it's the, what everyone thinks of as like the Kawhi Leonard jump shot of skill development in NBA history. Because everyone talks about coming out of Fresno State, like Paul George had no handle. And now, as you said, and I agree with you, he probably has the best handle of any wing. And so the fact that it developed that far, maybe that's something Brandon Miller could tap into at least to a degree is, you know, work on his handle that much as well. So shout out to my brother-in-law, Taylor, uh, big Alabama fan. So had to ride for his guy a little bit. (laughs) Shout out to Taylor. So that will wrap up our most improved segment of offense and defense. And now we'll move back to a more traditional award, which is going to be defensive player of the year. Definitely curious to see what you guys felt about this one. There were a couple guys that went back and forth on, uh, eventually settled on one that I feel pretty passionate about. So I'm excited to see what you guys think. I'm just going to say it's Bam out of bio and I'm going to let you talk about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. So that <laughs> I did have Bam. Uh, I'll just leave this one off to me. There's a few ways to look at it. Bam to me, is the best defender in the league. He plays a ton of games. He does everything you'd want on the basketball court, on the defensive end. One of my favorite stats I've heard in a long time is from the great Cooper Moorhead of NBA.com. He writes about the Heat, always read Coop, highly recommend Cooper's work. I'm just going to tee this up. Dramatic pause. So, Bam Adebayo became a starter four seasons ago. In the last four seasons, he has guarded more isolations than any other player in the league. He has guarded 1,082 isolations. In that time, he has also allowed the lowest points per possession of isolations defended in the NBA. So, he's your center and he's the best isolation defender in the league over a large span of time. The other thing I'd like to point out about Bam in his case is Bam is undersized for a center, and his best ability is that he can switch. But what makes him unique is you don't lose any of the things you need from a traditional center when Bam's your center. He's a tremendous rebounder. He's a tremendous screen setter. And he provides enough rim protection if you want to employ a drop or if you want to show at the level or play any kind of defensive coverage you want. So obviously I'm a Heat fan. I'm a huge Bam fan. So I acknowledge there is some bias here. But that's kind of my case for Bam. And and honestly, I just I think he deserves it. I think he should have won it in the Marcus Smart year. I think he's been at this level for a long time. 
And he doesn't even have a first team all defense award to his name. He's made second team, I think, three or four years in a row now. So that's my case for Bam, but I'll pass it back over to you guys. Yeah, I think uh, all of that is obviously super true. My main argument, honestly, is that these awards are oftentimes awarded retroactively. Like so many of these awards just go to the guy that should have won last year. Um, And so I predict that's going to be a situation here um with bam like they know he should have won i mean marcus smart obviously a great defender um but there's probably a couple of years in the past two years that bam should have won it um and so eventually they're just going to give it to him because it would not make any sense for that not to be in his accolades at this point in time in his career and what the success they've had as a team especially defensively um i like that pick um i think that i think that I always feel like, uh, and maybe AD just doesn't play enough games sometimes, but I feel like he just does not get his respect. Uh, last season, he was not. That's very uh, fair. He was not um, on in, any of the all defense. And, I mean, we saw, in my opinion, he was the best defensive player in the playoffs. And it just felt like he was the best defensive player in the world. And I I always feel like I kind of look at not not that Bam and AD do the exact same thing or they're, or they're the same player, but I, I kind of look at them in the same vein, and I tend to always like AD more. Obviously, I'm biased, but my pick is Drew Holiday, um, be, because um, one, I think that that it's not necessarily a team award, but I feel like a lot of times you need help to win this award. Like, like if you're just the only defensive guy on the team, it, it's kind of tough because too many people are, you have to cover for them, right? That's kind of kind of what AD has to do sometimes. But I think one of the reasons Marcus Smart won this award was because of he had help. There were people saying he wasn't even the best defensive player on his own team, uh, yeah. which is, is an argument you could legitimately make. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this team is going to be nuts with the ball pressure. They're going to be one of the best, if not the best defensive uh, team in the league, which is going to look good because Drew Holiday is the best defender in my opinion. So he's going to kind of be attributed to some of the, uh, to to some of that. And I think that there's a narrative here, and we know these are kind of narrative awards. Like you said, they kind of give it to the guy who missed out because they feel like, oh well, we should have did this. Um, how about this take? Drew Holiday is like unceremoniously pushed out of Milwaukee. It was that was kind of like not that nice. And then Giannis talking about I've never been this open. I've never seen anybody be double team. Oh, oh that's kind of disrespectful to Drew. It Holiday. was kind of nasty. You're right. I didn't even I had heard the Giannis take, but I didn't really think about it. That's nasty. So I mean, I just have not seen the like pouring of thank you, Drew, that he should be getting for winning this yeah. team a championship. Are you kidding? So for me, he's kind of a sympathetic figure, uh, and I think eyeballs are obviously going to be on him on this on the Celtics team, and I think he's going to be kicking butt all season. And I think he's going to be motivated against um, uh, Milwaukee. I really do. Dame is going to have nightmares. Oh about yeah, that Celtics oh, lineup because oh, he's yeah. already been put in hell by Drew Holiday in the past, yeah. but now he's got a vengeful spirit, Drew Holiday. And I think I in. think that plays into some of. I don't think I don't think Drew necessarily likes that he was pushed out. I mean, he had just said like a, like a week before he he had wanted to finish his career in Milwaukee. He definitely wanted Oof. to be there, and I feel like he thinks Damian Lillard's not better than me. 
He's not better than me. I've already swept this dude out of the playoffs. He's not better than me. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like he's going to be on a mission to make them look dumb for that uh, trade. So I like Drew Holiday for the defensive player of the year. Man, I'd love to see if if it just if they just weren't playing for the Boston Celtics. I love that team so much. <laughs> I would yeah. be a fan of that team if yeah. they weren't wearing green and white jerseys. Um, and so, yeah, I think you're very accurate there. Uh, those, those are some really good points. Yeah, I love that take as well. I think one thing will be interesting is the highest profile matchup we last saw Drew in was the Jimmy Butler matchup. And that was the most we've seen someone own Drew in a matchup. So I predict that the Boston-Miami game, which I think is on Friday, it breaks my heart. I think Boston is going to smack Miami. And there's going to be some ESPN graphic that's like, Jimmy Butler, when guarded by Drew Holiday, was 0 for 8 from the floor with three turnovers. And that's going to start the narrative. Of like, ah, oh, the Jimmy thing was a fluke. He's back to form. And then everything else you said, I, I could definitely see that kind of gaining some momentum. Mm-hmm. Hey, so, I don't know if Drew Holiday has any answers for Hamie Hawkins Jr., baby. I don't think he's ready for it, but uh, we'll see what happens. Next up, we have Coach of the Year. This is a maybe the most narrative-based award you could argue of all the traditional awards. Mm-hmm. It usually just goes to, I'd, I'd say, you know, 90% of the time it goes to, oh, this team's better than we thought. Here's coach of the year. So right. a lot of different ways this one could go. Uh, I kind of wrestled with it for a long time. It never got to an answer I felt super passionate about. But one I, I settled on, I feel decent. But I'll turn it over to you guys first. Who did you come up with for this? Um, Go ahead. I hope I pronounced this right. I probably won't. Mark Dagnall, is that mm-hmm. how you say his name? Mm-hmm. He's going to be the coach of the year, guys. I think uh, especially, you know, a lot of people are having OKC take this jump. That's kind of why I talked about Josh Giddy earlier. I think that's going to be a, a big part of their team. And I think that uh, Mark is going to get a lot of their credit for kind of how his team plays, which he should. They're extremely focused. Uh, you know, it almost felt like they were going to be a year early last season and if Chet didn't get hurt, they 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 very well might have could have been a year early in terms of just being in the playoffs uh and, and giving that first round team a run for their money. Uh but they just fell short. I think this year that they're gonna not only get in, I I think they have a lot of potential to be a one of the top six teams uh that are guaranteed a playoff spot. Um and he's just a really smart coach. He's very well respected around the league. Um, he's been here. I think this is going to be his fourth season coach of the team. Um, last year they took, I want to say 14 or so game jump. Um, probably not that big of a jump again, but they're, they're going to win some more games. And I think he's going to be coach of the year. That's, that's the perfect pick. Thank you. Great pick. You, you said that. Pick. And I was like, obviously, how did I not get there? And I just pulled up the fan duel odds and he's the favorite. Is, I, I swear I did not look at No, I don't think you did. I, did I didn't even think of it, but Man. that it makes so much sense once you say Just it. for our listeners, I think this is just a great example going forward to really understand who really holds the basketball knowledge on this pod and who really knows ball is, you know, Kaylin has the perfect answer. Micah finds it to be a great decision and looks up that, you know, the odds really lean that way. And me, when you said that, I was like, who is that? Who does he <laughs> What team does he coach? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Magdal. Did he just make that up? 
How long has he been <laughs> coaching? And Michael's like, yeah, really respected by all the other coaches in the league. Long-standing, respectable coach. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, just know that if it sounds like my opinions are insane or dumb, uh, <laughs> this is just a great example of kind of to understand yeah. where the energies and knowledge for basketball are coming from. Oh, uh, that being said, my choice is going to be Nick Nurse. <laughs> wow. Nick Nurse, Coach of the Year, coming up, baby. My first choice was really Monty Williams, but I feel like I've talked about the Pistons way too much oh, already. Yes. That would be crazy sense. to go triple Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> triple Pistons. Oh, man. Uh, but I'm going with Nick Nurse. I think the narrative, if this team blows up or doesn't blow up and he can actually – let's say James Harden just continues to be a thorn in their side and he carries his team to, like, conference finals or something. Um it just has a narrative of like, yeah, we're going to give this guy an award because that's awesome. Because we all thought this was going to be a shit show. At least I did. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of the thoughts I had behind that. And then also I had Taylor Jenkins as well as an option. I nice. think same thing narrative-wise. Like if that team can get through this year's drama and go far um, without their star player, then it just shows uh, good coaching and good team morale. Yeah, that yeah. Nick Nurse pick I like a lot. Yeah, like, because like we said, sure. yeah, narrative based, and so you kind of just got to find your narrative, and that I can see so clearly being like, there was so much turmoil, but he, you know, he kept the ship on course, and yeah, I could definitely. He would see get a that. he would get a, a thirty for thirty or, um, like ESPN documentary about the season if he. Yeah. <laughs> and he plays own music for it. He always has his guitar <laughs> with him. He'd have it loaded up. So let's see, now that Coach of the Year is done, that leaves us with our final segment, which is going to be around the MVP award. We'll kind of go through some of the obvious candidates, their cases, um, but we all wanted to primarily focus on a dark horse candidate just to provide something a little different than what you might normally hear. So for starters, I'll just give you guys, according to FanDuel, the top five most likely MVP candidates. We can kind of just say who we like or don't like, and then we'll get more into our dark horses based off of that. So number one, they have Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Number two, Luka Doncic of the Dallas Mavericks. Number three, Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks. Number four, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. And number five, the reigning MVP, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers. So pretty chocolate what you'd expect um any of those names stick out to you guys that you think have a good shot or maybe you think their odds should be worse yeah yoke is my guy um i think he was robbed last year i think he was definitely the mvp i think joel was third i think Giannis should have been second and joel Mm -hmm. should have been third in my personal opinion um but we we know what happened they didn't want to give it to him three times in a row voter fatigue yada 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 he is the best player in the world it is undisputed in my personal opinion and i think that it's gonna be more of the same uh this season um he's just gonna be dominant i got yoke yeah same i just think he uh especially from the perspective this is one of the awards i feel like most guilty of just giving it to the guy that should have won it the year before um and he definitely should have won last year. There was yeah. no real reason for him not to. And yep. nobody's really done anything roster-wise to make me feel like they're going to stop him from being incredible in the regular season. Right. So it was going to get more of the same there. And the voters will just, you know, they'll have to – they can't rob a guy a second time in a row from winning his third MVP. So I think they'll get yeah. it to him. 
agreed on that. And I think looking at the other guys in the top five, they all have teammates that you feel would kind of cannibalize their cases for the award with Luca obviously as Kyrie. And I don't think Dallas will be able to finish high enough to really, you know, get him in that conversation. Giannis, I mean, he could have a monster year, but with Dame there, unless like Dame gets hurt or something, I think any upgrade in Giannis's game you see this year will probably be attributed to Dame in some way. So it'd be hard to give him the award there. Jason Tatum, obviously Celtics added Porzingis in holiday Embiid, you could craft more of a narrative like if Harden gets traded for Norm Powell and Terrence Mann and they don't add anyone and he's still amazing, maybe, but I don't really see that. So it's hard to, you know, see them finishing high enough for him. So I'm with you guys on all that. Um, So with that being said, do we want to move into our dark horses for the MVP? Let's do it. I can go first. Uh, I already talked a little bit about this uh, in previous sections. but my dark horse MVP is going to be Zion Williamson this year. Oh, boy. Whoa. I think we are going to get the MVP Zion Williamson season that we all deserve. I think he's got the narrative to do it. He's got the team structure that is honestly, you know, there's not really any indictments on if he has a good season. There's not like, oh, well, he's got CJ McCollum on his team. It's not fair. Uh, I just think he's going to be incredible this year from a scoring standpoint, from a defensive standpoint. I think he's going to rack up stats all year long, and he's got the spacing to really do the things that he does best. And Zion Williamson himself is just a highlight machine when he's really going, and I think that's going to play into the narrative and give him a lot of national recognition that people really expected him to take on in his first few years in the league. And so – Obviously, banking on Zion Williamson health is not the smartest thing to always do. But if he was going to have one good, healthy season, I don't see why he couldn't get into that conversation if the New Orleans Pelicans uh, do really well with the team that they've uh, constructed around him. Um, That's a really good pick. That's a really good dark horse. Uh, No one's picking him, uh, but he does have the talent to be MVP. So it makes sense. I like that pick. my pick, I think this is the only true answer here because, like we said, we all have Yoke winning MVP, right? If anybody's going to win MVP, realistically, you're going to have to take it from Jokic. There's only one player who has the skill to me. It's not going to be Giannis. I heard somebody say Giannis could uh, dethrone Jokic to be the best player. It, that will never happen. If this guy has a healthy season, I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard has a healthy season, He's going to win the MVP. If he I plays, love this so much, dude. If he, if he plays, if what is, what is six, uh, 65, 65 games, if he meets that threshold, this is going to be your MVP next year. Um, because, I mean, did you guys see what he had turned into in, uh, in the playoffs? It was I mean, I guess it was just game one. Uh, and then he, he, he was hurt, but... It, it's it's scary how good he is. He's dominant on both ends of the floor. And, I mean, he just gets into his stuff on offense, and there's really nothing you can do, literally. It, it, it almost has that Jokic feel where, like, you just can't stop. You have to hope he misses. Um, his, his mid-range is obviously automatic. He is an assassin from that. But even from three, when I, when I watch him, I always feel like his shots are going in. He has – really a, a beautiful form because it's just so consistent uh and it's it, it's pretty textbook i like you know the guy's got the elbow tucked in it looks really good it's a nice form 
Um, this guy's an animal, and if he's healthy, this somehow an animal and a machine. Yes, he is. He is an android. He is a (laughs) synthetic being. Seriously, if he's healthy and he plays sixty-five games, he's gonna win the MVP. But he's dark horse because he's not gonna be healthy. Come on, (laughs) man. Y'all's picks are awesome. Um, I looked it up while you were talking. So. Zion is has the 15th best odds. Kawhi Leonard has the 20th best odds. Those are both great dark horse picks. Nice. My guy uh, is 10th, so it's not as good of a dark horse pick as y'all's. But I went with Anthony Davis. Nice. Ah, I thought about that's it. That's who nice. I thought Kalen was going to say, but I was like, <laughs> yeah, I thought we could overlap. Um, in my mind, Anthony Davis, again, I said Bam's the best defensive player in the league. If he's not, Anthony Davis is. And he's so impactful on that end of the court. And then offensively, you know, devastate, devastating dive threat on the roll, post up, killing people on the offensive glass. Like he's he's just an incredible player all around. I don't have to tell people how good Anthony Davis is. What went into this pick for me, um, AD has battled some health issues recently. If he's healthy and I assume LeBron misses time, I think the Lakers have enough enough depth now to still be a really good team without LeBron playing. And so the narrative I could see forming is the Lakers record without LeBron is 10 and 5 or whatever it might be. And it's like, man, AD's really carrying a good top three seed. And LeBron's missed 20, 30 games, whatever it is. I could see that narrative kind of taking shape. And I think the media loves AD. I mean, everyone acknowledges what a great player he is. And if the jump shot's going to fall, like a lot of people have said, it, it's looked a lot better, then you could see a, a massive season from him. So that was kind of the dark horse that stood out to me. So that that is a really good pick. That's a great pick. And you did hit the, the explanation of how it happens just right, which is why I couldn't predict it because I don't want to predict LeBron's going to miss 30 games or whatever the case. But, <laughs> that, but that is exactly how it happens. And if he doesn't miss uh, the games, I think the team is kind of just too loaded offensively. I mean, I, I legitimately think Austin Reeves could be a 20-point-per-game scorer. Yeah. And if, if LeBron's doing that, Austin's doing that, and D'Lo's going to have his nights where he hits shots, I think it's going to be kind of too much to to give it to AD. But I think you're you're spot on. If, if LeBron goes down, AD has to have 27, 28, 29 points a night. He know, we know what he does defensively. So there there, there is a, a route for him. And I do think, even more so LeBron, I think AD has a decent chance to stay healthy this year. Mm-hmm. I will say, too, that I think, and that's a great pick, I do think as far as so much of this conversation being someone has to knock Jokic out of running or he has to have a down year, and I think the only prediction that really leads to that is if the offense stalls out. Um, Like if, uh, I mean, obviously he racks up, what, 10, 12, 14 assists a game sometimes. But, you know, obviously they only lose, lost Bruce Brown. Jamal Murray's health is always kind of a question mark. Um, MPJ's health is always a question mark. And even some of his performance, you can see dips. But if they have a poor shooting year um, and some of those numbers start to come down because of that and they start maybe losing more games than they normally would, um, obviously this isn't super likely, but it is possible that, you know, maybe they don't finish as a dominant regular season game and they are actually, you know, uh, not immune to championship fatigue of, you know, going the full gauntlet. Um, 
it's really hard to do when we've seen teams talk about how difficult it is to run it back, uh, especially if they don't have all the players that they went into it with. You know, Bruce Brown isn't the most impactful player on the universe, but um, that still is going to play into it some. So I feel like there is a route for some of these guys to uh, really show up, and I'd be much more excited about our picks than the runner-ups that are currently in it as far as Giannis, Luka, and Joel Embiid. So here's hoping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the other wild card with Jokic is we all know he doesn't care about the MVP at all. <laughs> so true. if they came to him with a program that was like, listen, you're an Iron Man, you play like 80 games every year. We're not going to do back to backs this year. We'll try and get you at 65, 70, maybe. You know, then some of the things that have have propped up his incredible MVP cases before. If you get to the point where you're splitting hairs with somebody else, you know, he mm-hmm. could he could be more vulnerable to being uh, left over at that point. Real quick, uh, on on the topic of excuse me of Denver Nuggets and Jokic, uh, I read uh, that that article that I posted uh, by KLC from the Ringer dot com um, about Denver trying to build a dynasty, and it was truly an incredible article. And they talked about uh, two like major things for me kind of really stood out. One, uh, in their roster building philosophy, they don't like overlap they like every player to kind of serve a different purpose and we see that that they kind of done that successfully and the other thing was that they don't uh, or they want players to be able to perform the actions that their position is supposed to perform first so like you know people get in love with you know bigs who are skilled they can pass and dribble and do those things but you know they want the big to be able to rebound the ball uh, and guard his position first, and then those other things are are cool. And I bring that up because I think that when Denver sent out the guy, the guys they sent out Monte Morris and um, Will Barton and uh, Bones Highland, and they the guys they brought in, they're all perfect. I think that they've nailed what they're trying to do around Jokic. They have the system mm-hmm. down. They're not going to win championships every single year. They won't be the first seed every single year. But I think knowing exactly the philosophy that you want to have as an organization centered around the proper skill set of your star and the, and, the, and the role guys around them, I think they're going to always be first, second, third for the next five or six years, man, I think Jokic is going to be the best guy in the league for years to come. So I, I don't, I don't see those guys falling below the yeah. third seed really. Man, that's an awesome point. And that actually leads me to another question. If we have the time, if not, we could always cut it. Um, but, you know, we've seen some teams with some really incredible team philosophies, like uh, the Nuggets, of course, Miami Heat is a great example of a team. And honestly, I think the Lakers do a good job of really knowing what they're trying to do. Um, what are some examples, not to go too negative here, but what are some examples of some teams that we have a lot of questions around what their philosophy is as a team? Like we look at it and we go, I don't know exactly what they're aiming for here or what the rationale is behind the players that they picked up this off season or in previous off seasons. Like what are they building towards besides obviously a championship? Um, what are some examples of that that you guys think of? Do you mean more in terms of like roster construction? Philosophies behind roster construction, philosophies behind priorities when it comes to how their plays are ran and how they organize um, players and how they play on the floor as well. 
Gotcha. Yeah. When you were saying that, the first team that came to mind for me was Detroit, which apparently we're just the Pistons podcast at this point. <laughs> but um, all the centers is really questionable to me. Um, mm-hmm. I love Jalen Duran. Um, to me, it would make sense to have like Jalen Duran and then just a veteran backup center to you know fill those minutes. You know, whoever it might be, Bismack Biombo or that type of guy. Um, so to acquire Wiseman. To acquire Marvin Bagley, to already have Isaiah Stewart, who they're trying to play at the four, but it's probably more five. Uh, I just don't get putting potentially so many roadblocks in front of heavy minutes for, to me, your clear long-term starting center. And it's also a position that just is not very valuable in the modern NBA. Uh, You have to be so good as a center to warrant a big contract because replacement level centers are probably the easiest replacement level player to get in the NBA. Like a replacement level wing is like Royce O'Neal and he got traded for a first like two off seasons ago. So, you know, whereas centers, they're all in the buyout market. So I don't get investing uh, that heavily in a center. Um, So yeah, Detroit came to mind for me uh, right off the top of the head. Yeah, Um, that's fair. I think, I think for me, um, I could talk about the Bulls, who I just think are going nowhere, and their team isn't young, but they're not even really a, a playoff team. So, I, I, but they're not too bad. But I think the team that I would rather talk about is the Toronto Raptors. Um, mm-hmm. Ever since they won their championship, what are they doing? Where are they going? <laughs> and they kept Kyle Lowry probably a year too long, two years too long. They kept Fred Van Vliet probably a year too, too long. Um, It, it felt like maybe they were going to try to uh, rebuild. There was always every year there's a lot of talks uh, around OG Ananobi and it's they they won't trade him for anybody. You think he was going to be an all-NBA guy. <laughs> He's not. Um, they acquire Jakob Pertle and they give him a contract extension or they give him a new contract. Um, I just don't understand their direction. Um, even though I am rationally confident on how good they could be this season, realistically, they're going to be a playing team at the best. And there's a chance that they could even miss that. And if they aren't willing to sell those pieces that do have some value and restart, they need to acquire high-end talent, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. So I just don't understand kind of what their philosophy is. Man, it feels like that they won that championship, and they're like, oh, you know, we're, we're good. Just kind of kind of hanging out, kind of doing stuff. So Yeah. No, I, I like yeah, that pick a lot too. I feel like uh, they maybe tricked themselves a few years in a row now into believing that they are a highly marketable team for free agents. Um, I don't know if maybe they just thought Drake was really doing well with selling the idea of living in Toronto and that they'd be able to find some high-end talent on the market eventually when it was ready. But, um, you know, previously, obviously, they had to trade themselves into a championship-level team with Kawhi Leonard. Um, but they were already the, more the first – See, you know, they were winning 60 games with yeah. – you know, so Kawhi was putting them over the top. They mm-hmm. just fired Nick Nurse, the championship coach – and when yeah. the new when the new guy isn't winning games because the team's bad, what are we gonna fire him to? What like what's what, what's the what, what are we doing? What's the point it's of true. that? It's true. So many questions, and yeah, that's a really good example of just 
it just makes me feel very comfortable being in a team where at least I know what we're trying to do. And there's so many teams out there that just have a good philosophy of like win or lose. If the season works out or not, we know what we're working towards. We know we have a vision for what our championship team can look like and what's going to give us the best shot to do it. Whether or not we do it, you know, we're going to have to live with that, but at least our fans can see and the league can see like, this is what we were approaching and this is what we were attempting. And so, yeah, I think uh, the nuggets are a great example of that. Uh, I'm excited to, you know, see some other philosophies work out because that's really what this league is at the end of the day is, a lot of different philosophies around what a team needs to be and which one is going to win out at the end of the day. You know, the whole Warriors dynasty was just their philosophy at war with the rest of the league and Mm -hmm. how they wanted to run a basketball team and how they wanted to do that um, was uh, not looked upon as successful and like winning basketball until it started happening. And then it became unbeatable basketball. And so this idea of taking your theories and your philosophy behind your team and, really showing it to the world is really interesting to me. So thanks for your no. input on that. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And and Toronto is, to me, they almost, you could look at them as saying like they tried to apply their philosophy in ways and then it failed. You know, they, they really tried to go this like hyper-athletic, hyper-rangy, 6-8, and that's it. You know, they wanted to roll out Scotty, Pascal, Precious, OG, like you know, Chris Boucher, whoever you want to say, but this rangy team that didn't have a lot of shooting, but would be very switchable and, and it hasn't been super successful in, in large stints. So, you know, in a way they at least had a vision and went with it, but it didn't really work. And and it's also strange to me because it's so different from their championship team. You know, they had Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, like they had real bigs. They had Kyle Lowry, Fed Van Fleet. They had like traditional size point guards. And then they had obviously like the alpha predator wing, in Kawhi, but yeah it's interesting they've gone this route and not to bash toronto too much um shout out to all two of our canadian listeners uh but i wonder like they kind of painted themselves in a corner last year with the purtle trade because they traded away that first i'm sure they didn't expect to lose fred but then they lost fred so to me that's a natural point just tear it down to the studs like you don't have a contender anyway and instead, they already have that first round pick out. So now they feel like they have to kind of stay in the middle. So then they sign Schroeder. And now it seems like they're running it back, but they're not giving extensions to Pascal and OG. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But yeah, so I think that kind of wraps up the show. Um, went through our awards, went through some opening night previews. Definitely appreciate everybody for joining us tonight. Um, do you guys have anything else you wanted to get into before we sign off here? No, I think that'll do it. It's been a fun episode. I appreciate it. This is definitely a great way to cap off an otherwise a long day. Um, so thank you guys for chatting with me about all these things. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Super excited to get this season kicked off. I believe we'll have uh, be firing on all cylinders for the NBA season by the time you guys hear from us again. So excited to get you guys some in-game season content or in-season uh, NBA game content. Definitely, yeah. So check out uh, Irrational Confidence on YouTube. Check out the Irrational Confidence pod on TikTok where we post some fun clips with some videos and stuff. Appreciate everybody for joining us and we will see you all next week.